Hello everyone and welcome to episode 308 of So You Want to Be a Writer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with Alison Tate, otherwise known as A.L. Tate, author of the popular Mapmaker Chronicles and Adaban Cipher series. How are you, Al? I, oh, well, do you know what? I'm what? a little bit excited. Oh, oh my God. Take a deep breath, everyone. Like it's like, a, it's a moment. Why can I okay. have a moment? All right. Okay. Why? Because I've finished my edit. Oh. You know the edit that we've been discussing Hooray. at length for a hundred years. It's finished mm. and it's back to my, going back to my publisher. I haven't quite sent it back yet. I've just got to make sure that I've, you know, that I'm happy to press send. Mm. That takes a bit of gearing up for if you mean I know I'd be ready for that and I've also I've done it well you know and I've also like everyone is going to fall over here like you prepared for this but I've also outlined Mm. outlined another book to go back with it outlined did you hear me say that how long does an outline go for does your outline go for like you know two pages like what oh this one is about well I can tell you exactly because I have it in front of me here somewhere this one is here. Do you know? Do you want to know what the document is called? Go on. Outline. Vague. It's called vague outline. <laughs> <laughs> and it is oh five pages long. Okay, that's hefty. That's good. Well, this is kind of like this is a, a just a real kind of um, introduction to my publisher of what this thing might be. So what it actually is mm. is me telling myself the story and making it up as I go along, knowing full well that by the time I write the thing, it will probably be totally different. Mm. Mm. But having okay. said that, it hits the plot points that I need to plot out, like in the mm. sense of the the puzzle is in it and I had to work through the puzzle. Oh. Does that all make sense? Yes. Yeah. But You're this is quite me, a you? departure. For those of you who've been listening regularly, this is a quite a departure for A.L. Tate or Alison Tate because she is a pantser. So the fact that she's actually outlined this book is quite a surprise. Well, it is a surprise. But, you know, as I've said, I think we have discussed in the past, I have evolved, people mm. do, <laughs> I have evolved, um, over time because, um, again, this is series. So if you are writing a series, you have to have some idea of where it's going, right? You can't mm. just like write one book, send it off, and then pants your way through the second book as well. You can to a degree, mm. but you have got to have some idea of what the end point of this thing might be, whether it takes you three books to get to it, ten books to get to it, whatever. Mm. You need some idea. And so then you also, within that series, need to have – um, you know, a structure for each book as well as you go through. So what I have discovered through writing series is that knowing what the high points are, hitting the plot points, um, does make your job a lot easier when you're trying to wrangle a very, very big story, a small story within a big story, mm. because that's the difficulty of it. You need to have that big story that just is like throwing itself across the background as a nice, you know, backdrop um but then you also have to have the minutiae of whatever it is that's going to happen in that particular book and that's you know that involves a major plot and subplots character development all of the various things as well as you know this so i mean it sounds complicated because it is (laughs) (laughs) it really is 
And it's the kind of thing that you just, it's like I said, you know, I, I went to a school recently and every time I go to schools, I talk to these kids about the fact that, um, you know, people think that your job as a writer is just sitting around wafting about making stuff up. And it is like, let's mm. face it, that's, that's essentially what I'm doing, creating people <laughs> and, and then, you know, pushing them around a board. Um, mm. But I swear that I had no idea before I got into this racket that I was going to have to need so much logic. I just didn't know that. I, you know, it's a really, it came, that's probably something that came as a real surprise to me was this whole problem solving aspect of writing. I just didn't know that it was so much of the job. I didn't Mm. know that. I don't know why I didn't know that. You think I would have figured it out, but no. So <laughs> I've come to I've come to the conclusion that just so much of, of what you do is just this heavy lifting of, well, what am I doing with this? And do I if I move him here, then what happens over there? And mm. um, so yeah, so you know, like when you look at, you know, there's that famous image of J.K. Rowling's spreadsheet, you know, yes. that she has. You just like what when I think about the amount of problem solving that went on in creating that particular oh, yeah. series, you can see why she was all about a spreadsheet, really. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, we look forward to hearing more about what happens um, to the vague outline. <laughs> all right. We want to give a big shout out to Susanna, who uh, kindly left us a review, a five star review, and called on Goodreads. It was on, on Goodreads. Goodreads. Yes about um, our book, So You Want to Be a Writer. So Susanna said, I'm a freelance features writer and long-term fan of Val and Al and their podcast, So You Want to Be a Writer. So when they released their book of the same title, I pounced on it. But I was so busy stressing about how to fit fiction writing into my schedule, I didn't have time to read it. Finally, (laughs) I picked it up and read it from cover to cover as it's totally unputdownable. And it was just what I needed to get back on track. Much like the podcast, Val and Al's book is informative, entertaining and packed full of practical no-nonsense advice to help you achieve your writing goals. Read it immediately. If I had, I would definitely have more words on the page than I do now. <laughs> Fantastic. That's awesome. Thank you so Thank much, you so Susanna. It's just, yeah, really cool. And if anyone else has time to leave us a review on Goodreads or Amazon or wherever um, for our book, that would be awesome. And if you haven't got your copy of a book yet, go to writercenter.com.au slash book. Writercenter.com.au slash book. All right, let's move on to some, um, it, well, links because it's festive season, isn't it, Al? It's festive season. It's gift season. Let's face it, people. It's gift season and it is gifts for writers season, which is my favourite time of year, which is pretty much for me all of my year. Um, but they say here, uh, so I found a link on the rightlife.com, which is a you know a great website, lots of tips, yeah. lots of fabulous things. And this link is called 50 gifts for writers that are way better than a boring old notebook. And, you know, I thought to myself, but wait, <laughs> I love boring old notebooks. I love notebooks. And I have a thousand of them. Um, so maybe the fact that I have a thousand of them is a tip that maybe a notebook is not the best option for me for this year. But Unless um, you are buying the beautiful creative are, journals course, from ValerieKoo.com, of course, of which there will be more released for Christmas. <laughs> oh, what a segue, Val. That was amazing. <laughs> Seamless. <laughs> no one will ever even know. Yes, it's true. Go buy, go buy Valerie's notebooks. They're beautiful. But if you are looking for other options as well, um, then there are some really good ones in this particular uh, yes. in this particular blog posts, gifts for writers. And the number one there on the yes. list of number one of 50 is the fingerless writing gloves um, that from Story Arts. And 
Now, we have discussed before in the past that, yes. you know, obviously I, I work in a drafty old house and my office is often quite cold and I have to wear my dressing gown, my slippers and my fingerless gloves for writing. Otherwise, my fingers freeze. And um, I have got these very ones that they picture in this particular um in this particular story, mm. uh, which is we have got, I think, a Jane, uh, Anne of Green Gables. They've got an Anne of Green Gables um, novel printed on them. And yes. I love them. I'm just going to say that if you have a writer in your life who works from home in the, in the freezing cold like I do, um, get them some of these gloves because they are fantastic. Yes, you can have a variety of things written on them. You can have Les Mis, Les Miserables, the book written on them, Hamlet, Pride and Prejudice, the Declaration of Independence, if you really wanted to, if you're American. <laughs> well, I like Anne of Green Gables because it has all those awesome redhead quotes in it. So, you know, ah, yes. you know Anne and I, we're, we're you know, simpatico, shall we exactly. say. So but there's lots things... of other ideas as well, of course. <clears throat> That's right. And one thing that uh, is a bit innovative is you could buy the writer in your life a domain name. Yeah, mm. like, you mm. know, if they haven't got their actual domain name yet, it's actually not very expensive um, and it's such a nice idea. It is. Make sure you make it, make sure it's their name. We've talked about yes. this before, yes. right? Yes. Their actual name. And if you can't get their actual name because their name is Jane Smith or whatever, Jane Smith yeah. author, Jane Smith writer, Jane Smith Jane, writes, yep. something, Jane just something Smith along those books. lines. So, yeah, yeah, add books, exactly. Mm. So just add some form of, of uh SEO friendly thing to it, and um, it'll be a great a great gift for them. There's a bizarre one um, uh, called Dead Writers Perfume. <laughs> okay, that's awkward. Using what you're going to smell like dead writers? It's bizarre. Using scents like black tea, clove, and tobacco to evoke memories of first editions in old libraries. <laughs> oh no! I'm sorry. I do not want to smell like old books. No, but there's also one called Pemberley, a Jane Austen-inspired perfume, and it features hyacinth, honeysuckle and peony, which are all flowers found in the garden of Chatsworth House, the estate believed to have inspired Austen's Pemberley. Oh, okay. Okay. So they're not all, like, gross. What about a literary tattoo? I know, cool, right? Would you have, like, a quote on yourself? If it was temporary, I, I certainly would. Yes. Yeah. Because, you know, I wouldn't want to sort of commit to certain words for life because I might not like those words in a few years. Look at us. We've got commitment issues. I know. We are so but, of our generation. <laughs> but we should ta- I, Yeah, I would totally do a temporary literary tattoo. So there are literary tattoo collections um, with quotes from Jane Eyre, Shakespeare and so on. That's a good one as well. So we'll put the link in the show notes, which, of course, you can find at soyouwantobeariter.com.au and, um, yeah, check it out. So this is a US-based uh, um, site. Uh, a blog post, uh, by the way, most of the uh, gifts on here are, you know, links to, directly to the US sites, but you can also get them, a lot of these things uh, in Australia. Yeah. And bookgeek.com.au is a great place to get um, a lot of these things. They actually have them all on one site in Australia. So bookgeek.com.au will often have what you're looking at yeah. on the American sites, but, you know, at, at, a, at an Australian-based site if you're interested. Anyway, where else were Fabulous. we? What were we doing next? We're looking at another link that you have for us about writing competitions. 
oh, yes, I saw this and I thought, yes, I'm going to share this with our crew because I know that uh, a lot of people are writing short stories. The Furious Fiction competition, um, you know, evokes a lot of interest every single month. Mm. There's been some discussion online about creating an anthology, but I'm just going to leave that to you, Valerie, because that's your <laughs> issue, not mine. Um, but the uh, there's a... a the post on aerogramstudio.com, which often you know collates and curates a lot of great sort of posts about um, retreats, residencies, competitions, etc. And this one is 31 writing competitions to enter before the end of the year. That's not no. very long. No. So before the end of the year. So basically, as we were saying last week, there are still many days left in yes. 2019. If your uh, goal this year was to enter a writing competition and you have not yet done so, here are 31 opportunities to get that done. Yeah, so, right. um, yeah, so we'll put the link in the show notes, but you can have a look at aerogramstudio.com if you um, can't get to the show notes. 31 writing competitions to enter before the end of the year. So it's not too late is all I'm saying. Yes. Another competition for you to enter is our competition where you can win uh, one of three copies that we have of Magical Maths by Eddie Wu. You know, Mr. WooTube. Mr. WooTube. I love yes. it, Eddie Wu. He's great. Yes. So I like the fact that he's – I just like the fact that he's got – you know, there's a bit of, you know, oh, you know, he's not teaching it the right way. But you know what? Anyone who's got kids interested in maths the way that mm. this guy has is a number one in my book. Absolutely. Uh, so for those of you who don't know Eddie Wu, he is a teacher, I think at Cherrybrook or I don't mm. know, a, a state high one school schools, in yeah. New South Wales. And uh, some years ago when he has had a student who was ill and couldn't come to school, he made some like videos just explaining maths. And they became so popular that he now has a dedicated YouTube channel. He's called Mr. WooTube get it and um he teaches maths they're re really just um videos of him teaching maths in a very engaging and interesting way um and he's released his latest book called magical maths there's magic in maths if you know where to look a bumper book of fun with maths stuffed with things to draw puzzle invent order unscramble code decode for kids aged seven plus years from Australia's best known maths man. And if you'd like to your chance to win one copy of, and we've got three to give away, go to writerscentre.com.au slash win. Entries close on the 2nd of December. That's writerscentre.com.au slash win. And if you're at that URL in the future, don't worry, there'll probably be some other fabulous competition for you to enter. And if you are interested in Eddie Wu, I interviewed him in my other podcast called New Stories, Bold Legends. Um, and just go to newstories.net.au and you'll find an um, interview that I did with Eddie Wu. Are you cross-promoting um, in my podcast? Is that allowed? <laughs> well, that's, sure. it's about Eddie Wu, you know. Yeah, it's true. related. Okay. okay. Now, Al. Yes. Are you ready for the word of the week? Uh I was born ready. You know that. <laughs> Vertiginous. V-E-R-T-I-G-I-N-O-U-S. Vertiginous. Did I, I do know. I do. I do. I've even potentially used this one, I think. Really? In a book. I think so. Okay. Can't remember. So for those of you who don't know, vertiginous is the adjective form of vertigo. It means whirling or turning. So you might say, as we climbed the mountain, there were vertiginous views at every turn. Mm. There you go, vertiginous. Mm. 
Litigious. Let's let's now move on to our writer right. in residence this week. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, your enthusiasm is overwhelming. Going so well. Um, well, actually, I'm quite excited because I'm interviewing this week uh, a member of our "So You Want to Be a Writer" community. Mm. I am Miss Christ- Kristen Levis, who writes under the name K M Levis, and we had a terrific story about living in one country and publishing in another. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Kristen M. Levis is an author, marketing specialist, ghostwriter and photographer. After indie publishing two picture books in Australia, Kristen's YA series, now comprising three books under the name K.M. Levis, was published by Anvil Publishing in the Philippines. The third novel in the series, The Search for Adana, is out now. Welcome to the program, Kristen. Hello, Al. I'm so excited. You have no idea. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> I love it when people are excited to talk to me. That's brilliant. I listen to your podcast, like, to and from work. It's on my headphones all the time. You're, yeah, you talk in my ear all the time. That's so weird. And, you know, my boys would probably say exactly the same thing, but they're not quite as excited about it as you are. So that's good. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So um, let's go back to the beginning. Um, you mm-hmm. chose to indie publish your first two books, which were picture books. Can you tell us mm-hmm. about that process, about how you came to, to indie publish those? Um, there for myself. It wasn't. I didn't indie publish because I wanted to sell books. Um, I know that that's weird, but I wanted something that I can, my kids will remember, my my nieces and my nephews will remember uh, because the picture books are very personal. The first one that I created was my mother's story when we were kids because we couldn't afford books. Um, growing up in the Philippines, we were quite poor. So I only had one book growing up, really. It was the... Alice in Wonderland. So my mom would tell us this story over and over again every night. I mean, sometimes she'd for, she'd forget what the characters were doing and we'd remind her. I mean, we know it by heart. So I thought before we all forget it, I might as well write this down and actually create a picture book. Um, I had to ask my sisters about this. So that's why it was released. And the second one was also the story of us growing up in the Philippines with nothing. Um, it's, it's a true story. So it wasn't like I self-published it because I wanted something out there, not because I wanted to sell books. Okay, so that, did you... Does that make sense? Yeah, that does. Did you illustrate those as well? Was that, Or did you get someone to do it for you? I did. I, I got someone to do it for me. Um, I gave them the picture books, uh, the, the text, and they came up with the, the visuals. I was so lucky to have... Like the first one, um, <laughs> my friend did it for me for free because he loves me. Um, he's actually a, a lawyer, so it's really weird, but illustrator's a lawyer. The second one, I hired um, someone to do it, and she, it, like a young artist in the Philippines, and she did it for me. It was, it was, I had to get someone from the Philippines because it was a story in the Philippines, and only someone who grew up there would know what I meant right. when I said, the house looked like this because they would know that the house would look like that. Do you know right. what I mean? Yes, I do know exactly what you mean. So did you actually release those in the sense, did you sell them or did you list, give them to people that you loved or how did you, what did you do with those? Um, I printed a couple of um, copies for my family and friends, yep. but the rest are online. It's, they're on Amazon. People can buy it if they want to. Some of my friends have bought it for them. And um, they, 
the second one, they actually don't believe that that was my life growing up. It's like, because it says they're based on a true story. And it's like, is this for real? And I'm like, yeah, we grew up like that. So it's it's quite a, I might actually end up writing a, a novel about that later on, more extensively instead of a picture book. Because it was really a, it's a really strange experience if you didn't grow up like that. Okay. Well, it does sound like it could be, um, it could be a good, a good maybe middle grade or something down the track. Yeah. Yeah. Think of that when I'm finished with my other projects. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about your first uh, novel then, your first YA novel, which is The Girl Between Two Worlds. Um, mm-hmm. Was that the first longer manuscript that you'd ever written? Yes, ever in my entire life. Okay. <laughs> it, yeah. It was um, after the second uh, picture book. Yeah. I thought, um, okay, maybe I can do a longer one. Let's see if I can. So I, I started writing it down. It was a thing, it was an idea in my head that's been around for a couple of years. I just didn't know if I could write long, that long. Yeah. So I kind of like pushed it back and said, okay. But then it didn't go away. So I thought, might as well just write this down. Maybe it'll go away after that. So how did you know it was a YA novel? Um, sorry, my dogs. Oh my. It's okay, They're we crazy. always have random dogs. That's fine. <laughs> um, my the idea was like, do I find, like the characters, I needed something that, I I guess that could cross the line between what they say, because I, my daughter then was like four or six years old. I was thinking if I like, should it be a four, four or six year old kid, but then I thought, no, the things I want her to say, um, a child can't say that. So I thought, okay, let's try YA. I was actually thinking if it doesn't work out YA, I would make it more adult, but then it worked out as a YA. Okay. So saved well, me a so lot of editing. <laughs> what's it about? What is the actual story about? Okay, so The Girl Between Two Worlds is about this um, 16-year-old girl who comes to her powers and didn't realize that her mother actually escaped from another world to avoid the responsibilities of being the next queen. And she had no idea because her mother disappeared. Right. So she had no idea that was going to be her life because her mother didn't tell her before she disappeared. And then at 16, suddenly she has these strange, she could do these strange things. And then her grandfather shows up saying, oh, yeah, by the way, you'll have to take on your mother's throne. Otherwise, there's going to be a war. So... So um, the book is this, this series is rooted in kind of Filipino mythology, is that mythology. correct? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So all the creatures all the creatures in this other world, they're all um mythological creatures in the Philippines that's never been discussed around the world really. So the moment you read it it's kinda of bizarre and also quite scary. Um one of our my favorite one is called um, Manananggal which is basically this gorgeous Victoria's Secret woman during the day. And then at night, um, her upper body rips from her lower body and she grows wings and fangs. And then she flies around and sucks fetuses out of pregnant bellies. What? That's that's horrible. (laughs) So So that's based in Filipino mythology. Yes, 
that. It's, I grew up with that. I watched that as a six-year-old. Okay, as a six-year-old. Yeah, Filipino TV. It was like, it was a normal thing okay. for us. Like, we were supposed to know these things. I don't know. And was it, so was it, when you sat down to write this novel, was it always going to be this? Were you always going to draw on that Filipino mythology for, you know, for the world that you were thinking? Or is that something that developed as you wrote the book? No, I was always going to do that. Um because the main reason why I wrote The Girl Between Two Worlds was for my daughter. Um, I grew up watching all these creatures on TV, reading about them on our comic books, um, reading about them on our, in our books, but then my daughter will never see that. She'll see the Aussie side of the, you know, my husband's side, but she will never see my side because that's not on TV, that's not in our books here. She will not, she won't see it in comic books unless, you know, I take her to the Philippines and show it all to her. Okay. So I thought, um, why not write something that she can read later on, not when she's sick, but, um, and then it'll show her, wait, this is your other half. And so the whole goal for that book was for her. Okay. So you've written this manuscript, um, and then what happened next? Like, did you consider at the time of writing that you might take it to a publisher in the Philippines or were you looking originally at having it published, um, you know, in Australia? I did start here because it was just more convenient. I was already here. I mean, I went to the Australian Writers' Centre, the New South Wales Writers' Centre. Um, so I went all to, the, to all the festivals and how to do that. So I, was, I started here. Um, there were some publishers actually ended up talking to me about it. They didn't really know how to market it because right. it's so violent. Right. The monsters is yeah, the monsters are quite graphic. Yeah. And they weren't sure whether it's a YA um genre. Yep. But then when I took it to the publisher in the Philippines, they were like, Yeah, sure. No. <laughs> okay, so there was no question for them. They they no. they saw what you'd written and were like, yeah, let's get that out there. And Anvil yeah, Publishing is yeah. quite a large publisher in the Philippines, correct? Yeah, yeah, they are. They own. They also own the biggest um, bookstore chain in the Philippines. Okay, so did you just how did the, do how did it work for you? Was it just like an unsolicited thing in the sense that you just sent it off, or did you have an agent, or like how do you? Because I'm like I'm thinking to myself, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, okay, so what if I wanted to to take my manuscript, you know, and and have it published in the Philippines? I would have no idea how to even go about that. So, um, what did you like? What was the process of that for you? Actually, when it when I was thinking of sending it through, um, I looked at their website and that was the time when they weren't taking in um, electronic copies. So I'm like, oh my God, this 200 pages of printed thing to send from here to Manila, that's going to cost me millions in post, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I talked, I, I rang my sister who's working in Manila and I said, can you please print this for me and can you please send it to me? <laughs> and she was like, are you going to pay me back for this? Like, please, I love you. I'll bring you so many chocolates. That's all she wants, chocolates. Oh, that's why. So she did it for me. She printed it out. She posted it, and then I gave her chocolates. So you sent. You had to send in the hard copy, basically. You had to, to print yeah. the manuscript and yeah. send it off. Okay. And so what, then yeah. it went to their slush pile, and they've read it and gone, um, yeah, we'll take this? The, the thing is, it took them 
like six months to get back to me, which I guess is normal. Yeah. But in that six months, I was already panicked, like, no, that's not going to happen. So I was actually preparing to um, self-publish it. Okay. While, yeah, yeah, I had, I contacted an artist. Um, I started looking at uh, professional indie publishing companies who can help you with the marketing and the, yeah. all that other stuff. So I started talking to people here, and then I got the email. I'm like, okay. <laughs> but right. it was like six months, so I, was, I already wrote it off. Okay. So does having a publisher based there cause any challenges for you being based in Australia, like in the sense of, um, do you have to go over there to promote your books? Like what, what kinds of, I mean, do you, um, are the books also available in Australia? Have you sold the rights here as well? Yeah, that's a very, yeah, it's more complicated because they're there. Um, actually, it took me like a year and a half to finally meet my publishers. Right. It was, <laughs> so we were emailing all the time, but I ne- I've never actually physically met them. So when I went there and met them, they were only screaming like, oh my God, you're blah, blah, blah. <laughs> right. Um, I've worked with so many of them, but I've never seen them. Yeah. Uh, so it is quite complicated. Um, I go there because I visit my family. So yeah. when I go visit, I put in time for um, marketing as well, meeting readers, signing stuff. So it's all, it, instead of just going for a holiday, I go and include all the other marketing stuff as well. Um, okay. So is that important, do you think, like putting aside that time to actually, you know, do book signings, meet readers? I'm assuming that you're, are you, are you doing school visits, it being YA and stuff like that? Is that, is there a culture of that there as well? Yeah, yeah. Um, I try to. The problem with, it gets really tricky because I go during the holidays, so that means there's no classes. Mm. So I have to actually look at my time safe. I could just go ahead and then my family, my, my husband and my daughter will just go a week or two later so that mm. I can actually include that in. It's a lot of scheduling things. Mm. Mm. But um, having said that, the Philippines is very big on social media. Yep. Like, I think everyone's on Facebook. So being a marketing specialist, I'm able to tap into digital marketing to mm. actually spread the word about my books, yep. which is not that hard for me to do. And at the same time, they're very big on you know, DMing, private messages, emailing. So I get a lot of that. Do you? You get a lot of direct yeah, messages yeah. and emails and things like that? Yes, I just reply through that. And they, they send me, like, a couple of the teachers actually use my books in their class and sends me, like, group selfie of the whole class reading the book. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> so... Do you so? How do you tap into like just with marketing? How do you tap into the like? Was there anything in particular that you had to learn, particular to the book industry, to really be be able to push your books out there? You know, in the Philippines via social media and stuff. Like, how do you apply your marketing knowledge to actually, you know, using that to promote your books? I had to I had to look at what others were doing, um, the big publishers, what they were doing with this. The scheduling they do when something, when a book comes out. I mean, my marketing skills is more business, not really books, but looking at the what the authors and what the publishers are doing, I can then connect that to my marketing skills and, you know, just figure it out myself. And also um, going into uh, classes, 
for digital marketing for books and for authors. That's really helped me a lot. So it's basically me fumbling around trying to figure this out. But without the marketing and social media background, I wouldn't be able to. What do you find works best for you as far as, you know, for your market and for your books? What what have you found has worked best for you? Um, Facebook and Instagram, they're the ones where, I think they're, they're the ones where my audience very active, like super, super active. Facebook and Instagram. Um, yeah, that's where I get a lot of the messages. And do you have um, a Facebook page or do you just use your profile or... What yeah, I have a then? Facebook page, and um, I, I put up the Facebook page ages ago. Yeah. So I have that, and then um, Instagram, uh, Twitter. I'm not very much into Twitter, just because I know where my people are. You know. Yeah. Yep. So that's where I hang out. Yep. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, so tell us about the third book because it's out now. Um, is it the final book in in a series? Like, is this a trilogy, or are there more books to come? There's one last book to come. <laughs> I didn't plan it that way, but... <laughs> oh, you didn't plan it. I was going to say, did you plan no. to have four books in the series? No. How many no. did you plan? Oh, God. It's, it's supposed to be just three. And right. then I thought, no, it's two. And then I joined NaNoWriMo. And then I said, no, it's three. And then after NaNoWriMo, I'm like, no, it's four. And then that's it. Okay, so, so it was it's kind of organically grown as over time. Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. So when so will the fourth so the third one is out now, the search for Adana is out now. Will the fourth one be next year? Are they like coming out every like once a year or how is how's yes. the timing worked? Yep. Yes. The okay. fourth one will be out next year. Okay, fine. And that's the final book. Yes, that's the final book. Okay, fine. Um, All right, so as far as it goes, the public your publisher is happy for you like is happy for you just to extend the series for you just to go oh there's another book or is it kind of like a like how's that work is that something that you discuss with them as you went? Actually, they gave me quite free reign over this. They they just read the manuscript and said okay that makes sense and then I got I have a lot of freedom really right. with okay. this one yeah. Right. And was that good or bad? Like as far as, you know, like too much freedom can sometimes be a little bit um, terrifying. <laughs> um, no, it's, it's good for me because I, I'm, I quite know where my limits are. Like I know, and I'm, I already have, I'm already writing another novel right now. I'm like, I'm halfway through another one, um, which is a different project altogether. So I know this is it. And um, I've told them that. Right. So, yeah. Okay. All right. And do you make an effort to participate in the writing community in Australia or do you concentrate your efforts in the Philippines or how, what do you do with that as far as kind of networking with other, you know, industry people? Oh, I'm I'm in every festival every year. <laughs> I I go to everything that I can go to. If I'm not working, I I go. Yep. Um yeah, I'm always there. Okay, fine. Um, okay, so you wear several different hats. Like you've got marketing, freelance writing, editing, author, photography. You even do some voiceover work. How do you balance all of that stuff with working on your fiction? I, I show up. Basically, um, I think my background as a journalist um, helps with that. Like I know this is not going to happen if I don't do something about it. Yeah. And I want this to happen. So... I guess for me, if I really want something done, I will find the time to do it yeah. and just prioritize things around it. Um, so if you're writing a manuscript, do you 
turning up every day to write a set number of words? Do you write for a certain amount of time? How do you actually get the words written? I do uh, 30 minutes a day yep. if I can. Um, it's not even just 20 minutes a day. So because my schedule changes so much, um, I have to just figure out. I just have to put it in the calendar and say, write 30 minutes, put a timer on, and that's done. And, and I'm not constrained as well to my laptop because like, I, have, I have a day job. I'm a marketing specialist, so I go three days a week. So that train ride, which I have an, an hour's commute, I bring pen and notebook and write on there while I'm waiting to get to work or I'm waiting to get home. So that time, I've actually written so much on the train. Right. And I can't carry my laptop. My laptop's super heavy. It's like three kilos. So I just carry a notebook and a pen. And then when I get home and it's my free day, I put it in the laptop. Wow. Okay. Um, all right. Well, that's incredibly busy and incredibly productive and um, good luck with <laughs> your latest book. I hope it goes um, gangbusters. So can people buy them in Australia? Can you get them here? Yes, we're in, we're in the process of um, getting distribution in Australia. So I'll announce it on my website once it's done. But yeah, it's, it's a long process, but it's getting there. And what's the address for your website, Kristen? Um, it's kristinmlevis.com. So and that's K-R-I-S-T-Y-N, correct? Yes. Kristinmlevis.com. Okay, now let's finish up with your three top tips for writers. Okay. So the first one, don't be so precious. Okay. I've heard this. I've heard this. I, I, I can't even remember who said this. That's right. Okay, that's right. My dog again. Don't be so precious like, Oh, I can't write because I don't have my laptop. Oh, I can't write because it's raining. Oh, I can't write because, you know, yeah. it's never going to happen. Um, I heard this conversation one time. Yeah, I didn't mean to eavesdrop, but somebody was saying that her office is not colored right or something, and I just rolled my eyes and thought, no, if you want to write, you will find a way to write. Yeah. So, yeah, don't be so precious. And I learned that the hard way, but it's... It, it's the, one of the biggest things that I've learned from other authors as well. The second one, choose who to listen to. Um, I'm not a part of a writing group. I'm, I'm one of those people who's like literally on my own. I don't, I don't let others read my work. I just send it directly to my editor. Mm -hmm. um, having said that, before I started the publishing thing, I send it to everyone, really, like a beta reader uh, and a friend, a family member, and they all had different feedbacks, and it was so confusing. Yeah. Like, I was like, what am I going to do? Somebody said this, somebody said that, and so it was just so, it made the process even harder, more yeah. difficult for me. Yeah. So, yeah, just choose who to listen to, and I hired an editor after that and basically did a one-on-one -on -one with the editor, and that really helped. So it, it was just like narrowing, narrowing down who to listen to. Um, okay, so the third one, run your own race. And this is a lot of stuff that I hear when I go to con uh, festivals and stuff where, oh, she's so successful, or he's published this, or she's done that. 
if you keep looking at what other people are doing, you'll never get anything done. And and I've had that. I went through that. Um, there was a time where I thought, why did she get published? Why did he get published? And I was focusing so much on what other people were doing. It was taking time away from what I was supposed to be doing. Yeah. So I kind of just put blinders on and said, okay, good on them, but I'm just going to focus on this. Fantastic. Well, they're excellent. There's a very good three top tips for writers, something that we haven't heard too much of before. So well done on that. I love it when you surprise me with a couple of great tips. Well done. Um, Okay, well, thank you very much for your time today. Kristen, it's been really interesting talking to you. I'm going to struggle with the vision of that particular mythological creature for a little while but that's okay oh, sorry you can counsel me through that at another time um best of luck with the search for adana which of course is out now in the philippines and um you know we'll look forward to seeing where your writing takes you next thank you so much This podcast is brought to you by the Australian Writers' Centre, a world leader in writing courses. If you'd like to write fiction for kids and teens, our five-week online course, How to Write for Children and Young Adults, will help you get there faster. Find your voice, create characters, dialogue and plots to fit your age group and write compelling stories that young readers will love, all in a couple of hours a week. You'll also enjoy the convenience of learning from anywhere and get your very own tutor providing personal feedback on your writing. Find out more at writerscentre.com.au slash children's author. There you go, Kristen Levis or KM Levis and her latest book is The Search for Adana in her series. So we're almost at the end of this week's episode, Al. What are you doing in the coming week? Uh, apart from celebrating my edit going away, do you know what? I'm actually going to edit a different thing. I've been working on another story and I'm actually going to go back to that and, um, and work through that, I think is what I'm going to do as well as clean my house. Well, it's actually editing is very, very good for assisting me with the house cleaning because I tend to (laughs) procrastinate clean. Uh, So, yeah, my house has been spotless over the last few weeks while I've been editing. Uh, So we might as well continue that, I think, as we, you know, head towards the end of the year. What about you? God, I'm exciting. I'm going to edit and clean my house. (laughs) (laughs) I can understand why people listen to this podcast when I am so very exciting. Uh, What about you? (laughs) What about you, Val? What are you going to be doing? I have to take photos, actually. That's what I've got to do this afternoon because um, I've got I've just um, a delivery of um, the prototypes for new cushions, cosmetic bags, scarves, and oh, that's right, and um, yeah, products with my artwork on it. Cushion so, covers, yes, cushion covers. So wow. I will be taking photos this afternoon. Wow. Mm. Okay. Well, that's fun. She's so multi-talented. Take your own photos, write your own words, do your own paintings, knit your well, own cushion covers. Ra, who also edits this podcast, is also a multitasker. She's been helping me take some of the photos too. So, <laughs> Thanks, Ra. Thanks, Ra. All right. Uh, where do we find you online now? You'll find me at alisontait.com, A-L-L-I-S-O-N-T-A-I-T.com. You'll find me on Twitter at, at Altate, A-L-T-A-I-T, and you will find me on Facebook at Alison Tate Writer. And you, Val, where do we find you? 
You'll find me at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O, on Twitter and Instagram and over at ValerieKoo.com. Of course, you'll find the show notes for everything at soyouwanttobearwriter.com.au. And um, thank you so much for listening and we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Writer. You'll find the show notes at writerscentercomau slash podcast or sign up for our awesome and often hilarious weekly newsletter at writerscentercomau slash news where you'll find writing resources, giveaways, competitions and much more. 